Hey everybody, Code Pen Radio number 345. I have another super special guest this week that I'm excited to talk to you. I am um, pleased to present Gabrielle Wee. Hey Gabrielle, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Happy to be here. Yay, thanks. Uh, uh, you've been, uh, you know, we've been, we've known each other for a while, but way back in the New Orleans days, in the good old days. Feels like forever ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really was a, a past era, I believe that. I don't know. I don't know. No need to talk about sad stuff now. We have so much happy stuff to talk about. You've been a you know CodePen member for a long time, wonderful designer and developer. Um, now at Apple, which is cool. We won't talk about that a ton, but I do have like <laughs> some minor minor follow up questions to ask you. But I I promise, and just the audience, of course, we can't uh, we can't get anything super Apple-y. But why why would we? There's so much other stuff to talk about anyway. <laughs> like what you like and and things that you've done. So you're on um, CodePen at Gabrielle Wee and on Dribble and on Twitter and all the all the places you expect to Not find quite a, Twitter. a plugged in. <laughs> no, did I, you give up on it? I, oh. I've been staring at the Gabrielle Wee handle on Twitter for five or six years now and it has not budged. So I am Gabri Wee on Twitter and Gabrielle Wee on oh. everything else. Oh, I see. It's just missing the L's. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your pin tweet is hilarious about about feeling introverted online as well as <laughs> offline. Uh, yeah, I feel you. You know, there. I just I feel like introverts like blossom so well on the internet, and I can see so many awesome people just um, posting and talking a lot, and it's just I feel as awkward online as I do in person, maybe a little more these days. So <laughs> always happy to talk to people, but you know, that is a unique place to be. Uh, it doesn't mean that just because you're in front of your computer, that your introversion just slinks away in, 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 immediately. Yeah. Not, no, not, I, not for I, me. <laughs> that's an interesting place to be. And then, and it'll kick you over to your, um, you have like basically the coolest personal website URL possible because it just so happens that .ee is a TLD, as they're called, which I have no <laughs> idea. So it's Gabrielle dot or Gabrielle dot E. Yep. What is EE? Is it some, is it some remote island chain like that IO is? I think it's Estonia and I had to purchase it specially with a Estonian contact that the domain provider provides for me so it was a whole process to get it but worth it because now i can just have my name as my domain oh it's the best thing ever that's estonia that's cool that's cool you got it got your hands on it um yep 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 and and just just because i'm i don't know we can actually get a front-end design and development shortly i promise but <laughs> i'd notice on your website the oh, a thing i think i want to steal on how you have like a discord and iMessage link iMessage in particular is is cool i think it's like a way to i don't know get somebody to be like yo yo just text me without necessarily having to chuck your phone number on there if you didn't want oh, to oh yeah definitely Which i feel like why well, you never i never see anybody do that and i love it yeah it's honestly i do best in one-on-one -on -one conversations and being able to text somebody or being able to talk to someone on discord has been the easiest way for me to talk to people online and I didn't, I think it was only the last website redesign that I realized you could actually use the um, 
SMS prefix in the URL to also do iMessage. So that was a happy, happy find. Oh, yeah. How you can do like mail to colon for email. You can Mm -hmm. just go SMS colon for text. Yep. Hot tip, people. (laughs) This episode is already loaded with with all the best front end development tips. Got it. Uh, all right, so so getting into some front end design and dev stuff, you, th- there's some stuff you're I feel like you're famous for in a way, and there's always kind of some combination of really nice design, but also like CSS trickery cleverness in a way. You have a bunch of those ones. Maybe your most famous is the like the direction aware stuff. Oh yeah, you know? that was a number of years ago now, so maybe you're bored <laughs> of talking about it, but it's pretty it's pretty clever. And you're, um, you're, you kind of have a blog post going all into it, but it's kind of like you putting these, I, I don't know, you probably use pseudo elements, but that occurs to me that you only get two of those. So how do you get all four? You'll have to read the blog post, find out people. And, that, <laughs> as you, and then it was kind of like teaching people about how the tilde selector works in CSS, right? We're like, you hover over yep. this and then the tilde selector can select another. So do you want to, <laughs> I feel like I'm <laughs> mouth blogging a complicated concept of yours, but. I think that, um, got, that got pretty hot for a minute, didn't it? Yeah, there was a lot. I think there's a lot of controversy over it because I used a lot of extra elements in there to make it work. But that's what it is. You know, it is CSS trickery and finding ways to do things that you shouldn't normally be able to do with CSS. And I think I was working at a startup at the time and we were being really encouraged to explore, explore creative coding and different ways to do things. And I had never used selectors, the like the tilde or the S tilde, tilde and the or the plus yeah. in code before. It's like general general sibling combinator. Yeah. And I <laughs> was I discovered I was like a light bulb came out. I was like, oh, I could use this to do all these things. And um I think that was also around the time that I discovered CodePen. So they kind of came around the same time, which was a happy coincidence. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. So so it's like, uh, isn't that interesting how one character in CSS can like open your brain to the all new possibilities? That's one of the like amazing things about CSS is that these little these little things exist in its syntax that that just by themselves unlock a whole lot of a whole lot of stuff. So, so the way that this works is you, like, you hover your mouse over the top of it, and it somehow knows that your mouse has entered via the top and does something design-wise that makes sense. That depending on where it came. I think what I did is I had four anchor links positioned in different spots: the top, bottom, left, and right, and those anchor elements are on the same level as the actual visual um, cube, I think it right, was. Right, 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 right. And there so if you hover over one link, it'll it changes the transition and the direction of the transform. And so I basically I could have a different transform for each link. Yeah. Which means like the hover off just runs that animation in reverse too, which is pretty darn satisfying. Oh, yeah. 
I, um, yeah, I think... su- just super cool. Oh, that is that what you mean? People are like, oh, you have four links just for one link? Rawr. Yeah, and that it was bad code and all those things. I did. That was very interesting because I think I I'm I was used to anonymous people being very uh, mean on the Internet. But that was the first time that I felt like something I felt like I had done something special and putting it out there it was very vulnerable and a little scary at the time especially because I felt like I was new in the web dev scene survived well I'm sorry that happened that sucks but the code pen the code paid moderators were really awesome at um protecting me I guess yeah it seems so stupid that that's necessary to to have happen you know especially because of like I, I don't know that they're wrong really you know, you're like, okay, sure, there's there's four links, but why they could just be spans and one could be a link. Or you for three of them, you could put like a an ARIA attribute to have them be skipped or something. So it's just like not as far as like coding fouls go these days, it's so much worse, you know? Like people are yelling at people for like using divs for buttons. That's bad. That's like actually bad, you know. This like one little like experimental cube is like Exactly. It's a web experiment, you know, like you could take the concept of that and make it into something more workable for accessible, um, for the accessible web. But, you know, it's an experiment. You can try it and play around with it and see what comes of it. Yeah. I've seen that happen on other of your work. For example, you have this CSS nested dropdown animation, which feels like spiritually in in the same kind of vein, right? It's a beautiful looking menu. It's a, it has some cool animations tied to it. And it just so happens that the whole thing works with CSS. So it's just, you know, rife with, with cool CSS trickery. And then as part of that pen, it's like, oh, hey, look, you know, things happened since I first put this out. Here's a ARIA accessible version of the of the same thing, like an evolved version of it where, you know, we thought about the accessibility a little bit more. That's awesome, right? That's like the system works. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think at the time that that kind of dropped down, I was specifically using it on a friend's website that I was helping um a designer that I was helping code their website and finding ways to make it accessible became really important after I realized, Oh, you know, this is going to be live. This is going to be on somebody's website that people are going to look at. So I definitely decided to go back and see if I could make it accessible. Yeah. Right on. Let's see. What's the trickery here. Oh, it's little, it's like the checkbox hack, right? You see, you click on the link and... One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, this is a classic favorite. Yeah, yeah, me too. I always feel a little guilty using it because I don't know, uh, not sure exactly where that lands on the accessibility coolness alert. And, and I do know that if you just like toggle a class in JavaScript and use like ARIA expanded and stuff, that that is okay, so... But anyway, this is a this is a a beautiful menu. I'm sure this is years ago now. You're like, Chris is going to invite me on this podcast to talk about things <laughs> I did in 2017. To be fair, I feel like a lot of the interesting work that I was doing was during 2017, and it was during a time that I was working at a startup, and then I left, and I had four months where I was not working, and so I feel like that was one of my most creative periods of time, just because. I, I was hungry, you know, I was hungry to make things and show that I could do really interesting things with CSS. So not that I'm not still doing interesting things, but I think that was just a special, a special time in my life. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, shortly after that, there's a pen where you made some 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 Apple looking uh, notification things, you know, that just like mimic what you see, you know, whatever the OS was at the, the couple of years ago. I forget what it was. But and then and then what, what does that does that have anything to do with the fact that you work at Apple now? I know I know we we're going to avoid Apple, but <laughs> I, I'm curious, if, you know, because we're not talking about what they're doing anyway. But I think there's probably people out there that like think of that as kind of a dream job. I kind of do. I've been like a lifelong Apple fanboy, so it'd be interesting to know what the trajectory is from not working at Apple to working at Apple. <laughs> Honestly, it was the same way for me. Like working at Apple was a dream job for me. And I think I had um, contracted at Apple previously. And that pen honestly had nothing to do with me becoming Apple full time. I was just really excited about the notification stack and being able to imagine what it would look like in dark mode. But yeah, that had nothing to do with the job itself the direction aware effects that actually got me the contracting job at Apple. Um, because the company, the, the company that contracted me out was like, Hey, um, show us what you're really proud of. And I was like, well, I wrote this blog post about how you can use CSS and they really loved it. And that was how I got that first job, which then helped me to get my full-time job eventually. So it was thanks to CodePen. Nice. To, well, thanks to <laughs> you and Medium in this case. But <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats. So that's cool. And listen up out there, anybody who happens to be listening to the show that's in that, because there's just so many people in that, like, I need my big break. You know, I know I want I want a better job. I want to work somewhere prestigious. I want I want more for me, which is like good. Stay hungry. You deserve it. You can get there. And that that I'm I'm just I don't know, just happy when stories like that work out. It's like, oh, I, you know, I learned some cool tech stuff. I wrote about it. I published it for everyone to see. And then good things happen to me. I see it happen enough that I want to like share that with people. Oh, yeah, totally. It was a dream come true for me, honestly. And at um, at the time, I I was really hungry, but I also really wanted to make things that were mine and not necessarily trying to pander to any particular style or anything. And it was when I was doing stuff that I was really passionate about that the good things started to happen, you know? Yeah, that's nice to know. So it's that worked out better to just be like, I'm just going to be me. Um, I, I actually had a lot of trouble finding a job um previously to that i applied to i don't know like 10 job listings every day for those four months and nothing was coming through and i was like well maybe i should lower my expectations or maybe i should do startup work again um i'm not interesting sure. this wasn't a luxurious break for you this was like a oh crap i need a job <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah my major wasn't in computer science i majored in video game design and all the stuff that i learned um, with css and coding that was all stuff that i learned on my own so i felt a little isolated i guess and being able to have a community online to bounce ideas off of oh interesting but you found a way to be really plugged in. Yeah, totally. I just dived straight in. I was like, oh, these are really cool people. I'm going to follow them and see what they do. And I'm going to do my own thing. And hopefully someone will notice. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. It's almost like advice from, I just read a lot of children's books, being a, a dad of a toddler. That's a lot of like, be yourself action is a theme. In <laughs> yeah. It. But it's like, it's like, it's true, yo, listen up. <laughs> this episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by Jetpack. Jetpack being the plugin for your self-hosted WordPress site that brings it all kinds of functionality and security. And one of the things that it can do is backups. And a lot of people use Jetpack just only for backups because it's such a great backup plugin. You could say, I don't care about anything else that Jetpack does. I just want it for backups. You'd be even more right to say that now as they made a change to backups where literally all their backups. So if you use Jetpack backup at all, they're all real time now. So if something happens on your site, a comment was left or a plugin was updated or a post was published or something like that, boom, it's backed up. You know, it's real time cloud backups. It used to be there's two choices every day or real time. And now they're just all real time. So if you already had daily backups, you can just email in and they'll migrate your site to, to, to the real time setup. So there's a little manual step for now, but if you sign up now, it's just all real time all the time. I had real time anyway, because I think that's such a tremendous feature and really unique to Jetpack. You know, most, even if you're host offers backups or something like that, having real time backups is pretty clutch because there might be like a moment on a day that you need to roll back to. And now you can absolutely do that with Jetpack backup. And it's $4 and 77 cents a month if you pay yearly. So super affordable and, uh, and now real time. Very cool. Thanks for the support Jetpack. Uh, so you're hungry and you're, but you're doing a lot. Like what's the rest of the sauce, you know, the, like the, like where to be, who to talk to. Yeah. Not, not, not quite like that, but like what were all the things that you did in addition to just like this, it's not just this one blog post, right. Or this one example that you did one time. There's like a path that leads up to that. One of the things that I haven't really talked about online, but I feel like enough time has passed is that the startup that I was working for actually died and they were no longer able to pay me. And at the time, I, I, I left a little bit, uh, I left prior to anything else happening, but I did go without pay for a short amount of time. And then I quit and I was feeling very, very alone, I think, because I was kind of this weird hybrid of design, developer, not quite either, and didn't really have a community that could help me. And once I started using CodePen and then finding out, oh, like I can talk to these other really interesting designers and developers on Twitter and Dribble, and just kind of seeking out that contact, it was very scary, especially as someone who very much identifies as introverted, because I, I, I was basically uh, showing up on people's Twitter feeds and being like, hey, let's be friends. I would really like to pick your brain. And you know, maybe we could collaborate or talk about things. Whoa, bold. It was very scary. <laughs> but um, it turned out really great in the end. And I was able to make some really awesome connections with people, not even necessarily for job opportunities, but just to be able to bounce ideas off of and, you know, talk about code and CSS and all the things that I love about the internet. Yeah, that's great. That's, I mean, I'm sorry about the the bummer parts of it, but it's cool that you, you know, were able to pick up and do that and then and then found success at the moment of 
of, of what you decided to do your own thing, you know, pretty rad. Yeah. And that, um, the conference that we met at the CSS dev conf, I think, um, mm-hmm. It was really awesome to meet all those people in person. I'm bummed that, you know, like COVID kind of has prevented that. But being able to meet you and Sarah Drasner and some of the other really awesome people that I've, you know, talked to online and interacted with online, but never seen in person. Yeah, that can be part of the story, too, isn't it? Right. Like the the in-person stuff. (laughs) Where did the so you have no if your background isn't computer stuff at all, is there some design or art or something behind it because your work does have a you know aesthetic quality to it that's you know better than average let's call it. it's very good <laughs> thank it's you like i appreciate it well well you know it's like that it's like that the css menu thing right like it's a nice looking design you could have you could have used your css chops to build a menu like that that just has like no styling at all because the point is i don't know you click the thing and the menu expands off the side but the code pen secret sauce is always like something clever and interesting uh, uh, and it has, you know, maybe some trickery or interesting interaction or something, but it has to look good too. Otherwise, you, you know, it's kind of like nobody's yeah, going to totally. stand up and take notice if there's no aesthetics to it. So that's kind of that one, two punch of, of, of design and development. So where's your design chops come from? I always wanted to be an artist when I was little and my entire family, they're all accountants. My dad was an artist and then he became an accountant later on. So I didn't really have, um, I didn't really have a reference for what I wanted to do. And when I went to college, I kind of bounced around majors for a while because I was like, Oh, I want to be an artist, but people are telling me that that's not feasible unless you're, you know, super insanely talented. And I don't know if I am that, but I do like being creative and I like making things. And so I kind of fell into video game design which is where I learned a lot of the animation techniques that I use in my code pens. And in addition to that, I learned how... The way that I learned to code was basically I wanted to make Zanga and MySpace layouts when I was a teenager. And so I taught myself I taught myself how to use Photoshop, how to make graphics, how to use CSS and HTML and like a little bit of JavaScript. And so my self-taught experience combined with my video game design kind of helped me shape the way that I code now. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I see you have some Monument Valley based pens too, or that that wasn't where you weren't like, was that part of your video game? That wasn't the startup, was it? Isn't that us It two was games? not the startup. I just, I saw the, um, I think I saw the game on some award awards i can't remember i think it won quite a few awards and i was transfixed by it because i loved the clean beautiful design of the game and i loved the way that the things looked and so i was like well i can probably make that with code that doesn't seem too difficult it in the end it was like a little bit difficult because it's an isometric view and i wasn't quite doing that but i managed an approximation of it and it's all of those are just kind of a homage to the game, which I really love. Yeah, me too. What a it deserves every award it got. That thing was crazy. I love that game. They may have this new game for for Apple Arcade called Lu, Luna. Luna. It's like a little girl running around an island, like oh, saving the environment thing. Alba. So good. I think. Alba. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've played it I, through twice now. <laughs> I just love it. I have that. I have that game too. I, I love most of the games that have come from that studio. And also the, um, one of the designers, Ken Wong, I've been in contact with him and like on oh, nice. the stuff he's been doing. And so that was a really nice connection that I made because I managed to, um, or uh, I was coding the um, Monument Valley totems. Yeah, nice. So your design, it's just, it comes from pure desire. Like, <laughs> I, I want to be an artist when I grow up. And maybe a little like, oh, man, my, my pops wanted to be an artist too, but he wasn't able to. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely came from that. I and I, I think finding the creative outlet for what I wanted to do, because I, I didn't feel like my drawing that my talents in drawing or in video game design and all those things, I didn't feel like I was could maximize the my potential in those things, I guess. But I was finding that the way that I was most creative was through code and not through the other mediums that I'd been trying. Nice. So code is this, or at least the CSS stuff is like a kind of a combination or something between two worlds. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if and... that's the right way to say it either, but I always thought that <laughs> front end design was fun for me because it was uh, this like way to be like, I don't know, for lack of better terms, left brain and right brain, you know, you get this yeah, like, yeah, analytical, definitely. like how can I convert this design into to code coding has this very rigid feel to it. But yet the code that you're writing is like a loop in which to move something or adjust colors or animate something, which is so right brained. And yeah, it's like, it's like design and nerdery mixed together. And I love it. Same here. Same here. I'm actually working on a code pen right now that I started in 2018, but I'm finishing it now. Whoa. Um, <laughs> I, I think there, I think it's on my profile still. I created the I created these Pokemon sprites with only CSS and divs and a lot of clip paths. They were modeled after this uh, game that came out a while ago called Pokemon Quest, but the sprites were very kind of Minecraft looking and very easy to duplicate in code. So I was coding them and I'm currently working on making the first 151 Pokemon in code. Wow. Of 151, can you get one a, one done a day? I try and get at least one or two done every time I sit down at my computer. So I'm hoping that I can have it done by the end of the year, but we'll see how it goes. Nice. You should stream one. Or is that not introvert friendly? Probably not. <laughs> I've actually thought about it. Like maybe not having to talk, but just streaming or at least recording the process of it and showing people how I do that. I th I've always thought that might be an interesting thing to do. Oh, it definitely would, I think. How does daily UI factor into all this? You were kind of a big part of that or interested in that for a while, right? Kind of, yeah. Like, is um, that another kind of vibe where it's like like the Pokemon <laughs> thing where you do it consistently? Well, I was looking at, um, I think at the time... I was looking for things to code and I wasn't, I was kind of in a weird spot where I wasn't as comfortable in my own style yet and thinking of things. And I was like, Oh, well maybe I'll try different ways of coding things. So the first thing that I did was I would find dribble animations and I would, and I would replicate them with SVGs and CSS and the animation 
And then the next thing that I was trying was the daily UI um, challenge, which I think was is primarily a design challenge. But I was like, oh, well, I can design it myself and then code it myself. And then the design aspect can go on Dribble, and the code aspect can go on CodePen. So that's what I was doing at the time. I just wanted to create something all the time, but I didn't quite have the outlet figured out yet. And so that was a nice in between for me. Yeah, that's nice. I talked to uh, to Aaron Eicher last week, who's, you know, really similar story. I've heard this from a lot of people that there's, there is kind of a interesting dribble code pen crossover and uh, they're still different and different things go different places, but a lot of inspiration comes from from things posted on Dribble that are like <laughs> just begging to be coded, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, and it it was interesting because I felt like there's all these things that I couldn't quite replicate from Dribble, like squircles or specific kinds of gradients that were very custom. And it was an interesting challenge trying to figure out how to do it both in Photoshop or um, Sketch or Illustrator and in CSS. Yeah, nice. That's funny you mentioned gradient because I've I came across a pen of yours that that's um that's like how to make a gradient that you wouldn't think that you could maybe pull off. Where it's like there's a different, basically a different color in each corner for quadrant oh, yeah. gradient. Yeah, it must have been you trying to figure something like that out. Yeah, it was actually um, a problem. It was a problem that I had come across that wasn't related to my, you know, code pen experiments. And I was like, oh, I feel like I could probably make this, but I don't know. But I'll try a few different ways. I try, and so I was trying different ways of trying to make that gradient, and it ended up with the solution that you saw. Yeah, yeah. I, it's sometimes I'm curious, like, I wonder if that's easier now or not. Like it's like, can conic gradient do that? No, like kind of, but not really, but maybe <laughs> it's funny. You know, things change over the years and you kind of revisit them and wonder. Sometimes I have to, I guess, actively keep up because I think when as working at a full-time stable job, sometimes I get a little lazy and figure out the new, the newest technologies and so i have to keep going back and specifically looking up oh what came out this year what is usable this year uh, what can i what can i use in my current um work environment that i hadn't previously that's funny it's like there's some irony to that that like being really active and doing lots of work even at your like at a dream job and a place that's known for design and stuff there it's some to some degree you're so like you know, heads down in the work that you don't see the, the, uh, the tech change. Yeah, definitely. I have, to, you know? I have to keep, um, I guess it's like, I, it's not, it's not that I don't know that things are happening. It's, but you're right. I'm like, so like heads down in my work, which, you know, sometimes it takes a long time. So, and, and I'm working on the same thing for a long time. So it's nice to kind of, break out of that for a little bit and go on the internet and see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I I didn't mean like necessarily you specifically, but it is, I have just heard that from people over time, you know, like they catch up with CSS and then they go, you know, they're at some job for three years and then are like looking for a new job. And I think that's when it occurs to you the most because you're at your most like self-conscious of like, do I actually know enough to get (laughs) a new job? Oh yeah. am Am I too behind on what's happening? Yeah. 
So I guess we could end with with advice either along those lines or anything else you have for somebody who might want to, who is you know inspired yet by you as they should be for somebody who's done <laughs> all kinds of cool work in their career. How can you become like Gabrielle? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that has sustained me over the years is always being curious about things and how they work. So if I see something cool on the internet, I'm like, oh, that's really interesting inspect element go look at how they built it go look at the code and try recreating it yourself and then try creating something new and kind of having that mixture of recreating other people's work so that you understand how they did it and also looking for ways that you can um make your own work shine i guess and just a lot of research a lot of curiosity a lot of poking into code and seeing how other people code that really, oh, really great. helped me a lot. Curiosity and research. Yep. That's tremendous. Anyway, thanks so much for your time and best of luck with everything. I hope to see you again soon. Maybe we'll find an excuse to get back to New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate I really appreciate this time that we were able to have this conversation. Hey, likewise. All right. See you soon. Bye. Eight.